All right, boys, I got an exciting, exciting episode for you guys this week. But before we get into that, let me introduce who I'm here with. Of course, yours truly, I am Ethan. And with me, we got Zach. How are you, Zach? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, my buddy, Ethan? I'm great, man. How about you, Jonah? How you doing, man? Heyo! Fantastic, my man. Let's go. Dude, I'm excited, Jonah. I mean, uh, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) I can't follow it up. Hey yo! <laughs> there you go. We got a different one this week, boys. We got uh, a different topic because I'm not doing any science or uh, tech-related ones. I'm actually going into Jonah's field. Mm. Yeah, not to steal any thunder, but uh, hopefully it'll be fun. Whoa! Yes, that's pretty bold. Come to the dark side. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, gentlemen. Let's meet Cynthia Meekum, a 61-year-old retiree that goes out into the wilderness to look for something that she knows isn't there. (laughs) Yeah, she's not alone. Mm. Thousands of people go out into the Rocky Mountains looking for something that they all know, they all know, isn't there. Any guesses? Anybody have any guesses? Bigfoot. A ghost! Bigfoot, all right. (laughs) A ghost? Jared, you got anything? No, I got nothing, man. (laughs) Wait, I sound so lame. Wait, I sound so lame. Um, a clam. Okay, well, you guys are all wrong. But... What? <laughs> Jeez. Jared's honestly the closest. <laughs> oh, an oyster! Oh, yeah, pearls, 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 pearls. Oh, pearls. Oh, pearls. I'm so yeah, no, but the answer is a treasure. We're looking for a treasure. Ooh. Specifically, the treasure of ex-fighter pilot, author, and artifact collector, Forrest Fenn. Anybody, uh, anybody heard of this guy mm. before? Uh, vaguely. Really? Okay, good. No. no, I'm familiar with Forrest Whitaker, but uh, no Forrest Treasure. I think I think since Tish has heard vaguely about it, yeah, you should yeah, describe it real quick. Yeah, we should hear from Tish. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And, Tish. and you could tell him how accurate he is. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, go ahead, Tish. What is it? What is the Fen Treasure? Okay, from what I know, <laughs> uh, it sounds like an Indiana Jones story. To be fair, but okay, I, yeah, I have, that's good. Good start. Yeah, exactly. So, um, there are codes and little sequences I've heard. Uh, within books, absolutely. I, I, I'm as far as I know. I think I'm referencing. I'm You're describing every treasure. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that's national well, treasure, bro. Damn, <laughs> yeah, that's just I mean, the generic. That's probably treasure. from another person, but I don't know. Okay. You're on the right track, man. You're on the right track. To yeah. be fair, you know, all yeah. treasures have the same start. There's clues or whatever, but. So, all right, who is this man? Forrest Fenn. Like I said, he, he's an artifact collector and an amateur archaeologist and all-around outdoors bushman. Think of, like, a real-life Indiana Jones or Buck Rogers type of guy. Yep. He grew up in the wilderness, Cowboys and Indians type thing, you know, kind of like what Tish said. He collected artifacts, you know, legal and, you know, somewhat not legal, but uh, he amassed a collection that rivaled some of the greatest museums in the world. In 1988, he was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, very sad. Uh, but he was only given a few years left to live, and he started thinking about mort- his mortality and how he can leave his mark, his legacy, on this ever-fleeting life. Well, he beat the odds, and uh, yeah, he, he lived longer than a few years. But in 2009, he gathered up some of his most prized artifacts, including rare jewels, gold nuggets, coins, and artifacts, um, and put them into a 900-year-old bronze chest from 1100 uh, A.D., the chest was not really anything bigger than uh, McDonald's Happy Meal. It was like a big shoebox. And it was valued at nearly $5 million. <laughs> Whoa. So then he took this chest, this bronze chest, worth $5 million, and he hid it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. He decided to write a book 
called The Thrill of the Chase, which is that's important. That's kind of like the whole main point of this, that, that book there. Um, and that book was on the memoirs of his life as an arts dealer and artifact collector. And at the end of the book, he wrote a poem describing, with very cryptic clues, you know, as poetry is, where the treasure was hidden. And so, Tish, you're kind of right on that, about the treasure map kind of thing. Um, and so I'll read some of it now. Some of the I'll, I'll yeah. boil it down I, to the, no, the important okay. parts, the map part of it. Well, Tish, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, now that you describe it more in detail, I remember hearing a chest hidden in the Rocky Mountains, and the information is coming back to me. Yep. And how dangerous it is to find this chest, from what I remember. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I also remember, yeah, so. it's funny, I'm remembering more. That there's hardships to come in trying to find this. There treasure. is hardship. <laughs> yeah, and now that you explained it, I I just remember how dangerous this journey could be. Like extreme, like like it's almost perilous, lethal. Yeah. It is. It is. You guys are all right. So, I'm gonna read an excerpt from this poem, just the juicy part in the middle here that gives the nine essential clues. <clears throat> Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not far but too far to walk. Put in below the home of brown from there it's no place for the meek the end is ever drawing nigh there will be no paddle up your creek just heavy loads and water high if you've been wise and found the blaze look quickly down your quest to cease but tarry scant with marvel gaze just take the chest and go in peace um yeah so (laughs) a lot to unpack there because it's very cryptic and there's a lot of metaphors in there but i'll draw your attention to the first line where it says, begin it where warm waters halt. So, boom, there you go. That's your first clue. So, that's essentially where everyone starting their search starts to look. I don't know how much you guys know about the uh, uh, cartography or whatever, the, the map area, the geography of the West, but there are like a lot of hot springs and geysers, and they eventually run into tributaries and rivers and stuff, and those heat up the river temperatures. So, there's, there actually is a lot of warm waters. And this is all between New Mexico and Montana. It's a you know, huge chunk. Uh, basically from all the way north to south of the U.S. of this one sliver uh, where the Rocky Mountains are. And there's thousands of places within that to start, essentially. And then you go down, and there's nine clues. Uh, But I want to put special emphasis on the last clue here because this is the clue that if you find it, you have found the chest. So I'll read it again. It's it's pretty cryptic, but it says, If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. That's a good clue, obviously. It, apparently, if you read that, um, the chest, if you look down, it'll be right there. Um, but here's the thing. What is the blaze? <laughs> so that's kind of the question that all these people have. I'll throw it to you guys. Any ideas what this blaze is? Yeah, so in a previous episode of the Uninformed Podcast, we talked about uh, whether or not Moses was a real person. That's true, we did. So, mm-hmm. if we remember what we talked about, Moses found uh, a burning bush. If this guy's talking about a blaze, if he's giving clues, obviously he knows it could take a while uh, for people to find it. What's on fire for a while? The same bush that Moses spoke to. I don't know. That's all hearsay. I'm just connecting dots as I hear him, my man. Okay, but Moses was clearly in Europe or Asia well, or we, the Middle well, East. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, you I said, got there on my third. You say clearly. Uh, we, we don't know. Are you telling me right now, Jonah, in front of the world, that Moses was in Look, the United States? 
I, I want to keep this from getting as uh, religious as possible, but from what I took from the Bible, he liked to ski. And where better to ski than the Rocky uh, Mountains, baby? You know you're not wrong. So I think that's it, guys. I think that's it. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. But, uh, I have a guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tish, go ahead. Let me hear man. Oh, okay, so my guess, I don't think it's a literal fire. That would be way too easy. I okay. think it would be uh, probably a bush, some kind of uh, brush or herb, or not, not herb, uh, some kind of like yeah, a burning kind of bush, tiny hedge, or like some kind of like dying bush, maybe. And the way that sun is piercing down, it looks like it's, yeah, like similar, a burning bush, burning, but the haze and how the sun is affecting it looks uh, like i said it's almost burning so and then near it or below it as the clue says yeah so i'll um those are all good guesses can i offer um, up a theory as well of course man give it to me okay so this guy just hid a bunch of treasure all right and then he just wrote a poem for people on where to find it or i guess not a poem but you know a riddle for people to find it it's a poem it's a poem Maybe part of it was a little like sadistic thing where he just wanted people looking for treasure that he never hid. That's true. Like, do we know for um, a fact he hid this? That is a great theory, and you're not alone. In fact, because it was searched for for so long, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'll, I'll talk about this. But but basically, because it was searched for for so long, people actually started to think that there mm. is no treasure, and that's actually one of the known theories. I impress myself sometimes. But uh, yeah, back to the blaze. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, so this blaze. In terms of just the, the hiking community, a blaze is just like a, a trail marker that people use, that uh, people paint on trees to let you know that you're on the right trail. It could be like a yellow square or whatever. So that's one particular definition of a blaze. But when Forrest was asked about it, because, of course, he's gone through a bunch of interviews, people have asked him a bunch of questions about it, but being an old man, he has a great poker face, so he really hasn't let any clues slip. But in terms of the blaze, so Forrest said that it is just an indicator. So it's just something that stands out. He didn't say specifically what it was, of course. No one no one knows. But it stands out to the solver, but to nobody else. And it'll last the duration of the chase. It has to be impermeable enough to not be affected by weather. So it lasts long enough. But it won't last forever, he says. It will weather away. And obviously it, it marks the location. Kind of like X marks the spot on a treasure map. The blaze is a, a really important clue, of course. It marks the last stop, but let's uh, let's just keep let's keep going on with this here. Hey, no pressure, Ethan, but you're talking to three <laughs> Eagle Scouts. Oh, that's right, baby. Oh boy, that is true. I'm not an Eagle Scout, so if anyone can find it, it's going to be one of you three. Random fact: only one percent of uh, Boy Scouts go on to become Eagle Scouts, and out of the four of us. The three of us, yeah, dude, we're 75% are Eagle Scouts, so Top we right are very keenly astute when it comes to all mm-hmm. things outdoors. Especially so treasure hunting. That's what I like to hear. I got my mirror badge. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. It's a perfect one for you guys, then. <laughs> I have my trailblazing mirror badge. Right. When he buried that treasure, it was about 2010, right? It was like end of 2009, 2010. And when he wrote that book as well, in news spread quick. Soon, thousands, thousands of amateur treasure hunters were out looking for this treasure, anywhere from New Mexico to Montana and everywhere in between. Like I said earlier, it's like, you know, a huge chunk from north to south of the U.S. It's about, I forget the number, I should have written it down, something like 300,000 square miles. So, obviously, it's huge. 
I would say it's like finding a needle in a haystack, but it's more like finding a needle in a massive mountainous forest. <laughs> it's essentially a nearly impossible task. Um, but through the 2010s, nearly half of a million people had gone out and looked for it. And it's people from all over the world. You know, it's not just people from the U.S. It's people from Scotland, from China, from New from uh, Saudi Arabia. What are some other... Uh, what are some other countries that listen to the this podcast? Mexico. Well, whatever. Insert yeah. insert those countries here. Yeah, Me- Mexico. Mexico. They've come. So this is like a, a world known phenomenon, not just like a, a North America thing. Yep, it's a world. I mean, it still is a world phenomenon. Even I heard about it before making this podcast. My uncle actually uh, five years ago he mentioned to me at some dinner, and he was like, "Yeah, we should go out and look for it." Uh, yeah, I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And the scary part is, you know, it's in the middle of the wilderness, it's in the Rockies, it's in the middle of, you know, almost non-human civilization, and as you guys know, as Eagle Scouts, it's, it gets dangerous. And the sad part is that five people uh, passed away when they were trying to look for that treasure, and that made some people want Forrest Fenn to call off the search, but being an old man himself, he had really no intention of telling people to stop looking for it. Yeah, that that is pretty dangerous. For all of those, or all of you who are listening plug our uh, patreon page donate to us and we can go out and find the gold and provide you with much better podcasts that's right, that's right. <laughs> it's not a bad idea <laughs> yep 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 all right force fan this guy he was actually quite ambivalent about whether or not he wanted people to find it or not he said the search might go on for hundreds of years it might not even be found in his lifetime he mentioned that that blaze that uh, that final indicator of where the treasure is is going to weather away over time it should last the duration of the chase, but it might not. So it's actually kind of beautiful that he left it to fate and Mother Nature to determine whether or not this treasure would be found instead of himself making the decision. Some tactics that people use to look for it, um, obviously they're going to break down the clues in that poem line by line just like we were doing to try to discern the meaning of it. Like I said, there are nine clues in total, the first of which being begin it where warm waters halt. And so you know everyone pretty much agrees on the first few clues. Um, they always get hung up around clue three or four, but the, essentially the first clues are something like there is going to be a hot spring that leads into a river that leads with a that has a canyon nearby. Those first three, it's it's pretty easy to figure that out. Um, there are still multiple locations and thus multiple you know searching parties that have different theories, but the first three pretty much link together. By clue three or four, there's enough different possibilities that people start to get hung up. It could be uh, you know here, there, or anywhere in between. Um, it's the clue that says it's not far but too far to walk. So, again, that could be any distance. That's one of the ones that hangs a lot of people up. All right, enter Jack Stoof. And this is around 2018, 2019. At that time, he was a 30-year-old med student who uh, decided to go with a different tactic. He decided, instead of focusing so hard on, on the clues and trying to discern the meaning, and he did, he did read all the clues, of course, and had his own theories, but he went through a different approach. He analyzed all the footage of interviews of Forrest Fenn to see if Forrest Fenn made any slip-ups, any errors over the years in the past, you know, uh, well, it would have been nine years at the time. He had nine years of interviews to look for. And yeah, he parsed through all that footage to see if you could find any slip-ups. And interestingly enough, this guy Jack... 
He thinks he did find a slip-up. Jack studied Forrest as a man from a psychological point of view instead of just as you know someone who wrote down some lines on a, in a book, as a, some treasure map. Um, but he, he viewed him as just a man with flaws, and he tried to put himself in Forrest Fenn's shoes. Forrest Fenn was a very complex guy growing up in a different time than we are, of course, right now. Um, and like I said, he was like the Indiana Jones kind of bush man, uh, hardcore kind of cowboy dude. Uh, but one of the quotes Fenn said is that the special place the treasure was buried is also the place that he would want to die. And even at one point in the in the whole saga, Fenn even said that he wanted to go to this special place with the treasure and take his own life. That way oh, he wow. would hide both himself and the treasure in, in this most sacred location to him. So <laughs> That's kind of morbid, but uh, it's a pretty big deal. Because the whole time he had cancer, you know, so he was he was kind of morbid in that respect. He knew he was going to die, and so he just he wanted to make a legacy for himself before he died. And but uh, as is evident through the story so far, uh, he didn't take his own life, and he was being interviewed while people were searching. So yeah. Anyways, to continue on here, while the amateur treasure hunters searched far and wide for nearly a decade, coming up short, they found nothing. Jack started his search in 2019. Apparently, with a ace up his sleeve, he already knew the last clue. He knew what the blaze was, uh, which was <laughs> which no one else had. Uh, so, with that in mind, he spent only two search seasons, only two. Everyone spelt, spent like a literal decade. He spent two search seasons in the western part of Wyoming, and on Friday, June fifth, twenty twenty, he found the chest. Oh, whoa! He actually found Forrest Fenn's chest. So the Fen's treasure, year? Uh, 2020, yeah, the the Fen treasure community was absolutely shocked. They couldn't believe that this relatively new guy found the treasure in such a quick amount of time. Hey, Ethan, I'm I'm sorry. What what year did you say this was? 2020. Tw- okay. Even Fen himself was was really surprised, but after verifying, you know, the chest and checking all the artifacts, it was confirmed that yeah, this Jack this Jack guy had found it. So they call it boots on ground. He that's when you're actually out there in the in the wilderness looking for the treasure instead of just doing research. Um, so he only spent two boots on ground seasons, which you know, whereas everyone else is spending years and almost every year, almost every day. So uh, he really had limited boots on ground. Our friend Cynthia, for instance, she spent almost every day for a decade boots on ground out there looking for it. So. And that's pretty similar for a lot of the searchers. They're older, they might be retired, like Cynthia. So they had a lot of time on their hands to spend days every year, boots on ground, looking for it. They had their ideas from their research, from the clues, but their main point was to actually get out there and search for it. Whereas Jack went with a different approach. He wanted to look at the clues and Fenn's interview footage first before he went out. Anyways, soon after the treasure was released to the world, Fenn died at 90 years old. And uh, with some people speculating that he took his own life after he knew the treasure was found. So basically this guy, Jack, finds it. He comes back, contacts Fenn, meets him, everything gets confirmed, and then Fenn dies. Which kind of oh, led man. some people to believe that Fenn took his own life once mm-hmm. the treasure was found. Which, again, is that morbid theme that I keep bringing up. It's yeah, crazy. like he, he was only staying alive to see if somebody would yep. find it. If somebody found it, he's like, all right, yep. it's my time. Yep, yep. Jeez, man. But that's just a that's a conspiracy theory. He did die shortly after, but who knows if he took his life because of that reason. But before he died, they did meet. Like I said, the finder was able to sit down with Fenn and go over the hunting process. And 
for Fen in this world, he was kind of like, I, I don't want to say a god figure, but, you know, a huge figure to these people, the creator. It was, excuse me, it was a global thing for essentially a decade. People devoted their lives looking for this treasure. I mean, you know how crazy treasure hunters are. You've seen the Indiana Jones movies. And Nick Cage. Yeah, exactly. People are like devoting their lives to this treasure and thus to the creator of the treasure, Forrest Fenn. So for someone like Jack, who devoted, like I said, the last few years of his life to get inside the mind of this man, Forrest Fenn, being able to sit down and go over the clues with the creator was, quote, the greatest moment of my life. And that's of Jack's life, which totally makes sense. That's the creator of this huge phenomenon. Yeah, and this guy basically dedicated a large portion of his life to finding, you know, or solving another man's puzzle. So once he solved the yeah. puzzle, it's like the fact that he could talk to the creator of the puzzle and pick his brain and talk to him, like, you know, at that point you start looking into, like, other stuff he's written, the way he talks, the yep. way he writes, yep. family. So he becomes a way bigger bigger uh person than just nine clues exactly that's exactly right yeah i mean like i said those those they're called searchers those treasure hunters they blew i mean i don't want to say they blew him out of proportion but essentially they kind of did they blew him up to an otherworldly type figure because he was the creator of this thing that they devoted their lives to and some of them got really close with them you know friends with him and throughout that 10 year period um even though they had friendships forced like i said he he was Stoic. He was. Uh, he had a poker face. He wouldn't leave any clue. Jack says that uh, he might have found a couple slip-ups in that ten-year period, but Forrest essentially didn't offer any clues to anybody. So to be able to sit down at that table and speak openly for the first time with the creator about all these cryptic things that you know you puzzled over for years and just speak openly about it—that was that that that's just insane to me. The fact that the treasure was found at all made a bunch of treasure hunters, a bunch of searchers, unhappy because, you know, they felt like a part of their lives was killed Ooh. or at least cut short. They expected to be searching for, for decades. They did not expect it to be found this, quote-unquote, early. You know, it was 10 years, but still early. For some people, it's it's the thrill of the journey. You know, it's it's not where you end up. It's the journey. And like you were saying, there were people, boots on ground. There were people, retirees. This, is, this was their life. All of a sudden, everything they devoted all this time to, unfortunately, came to an end yep. when someone else solved it. Yep. So Exactly. That's exactly right. They were distraught. They were depressed. I watched a bunch of uh, interviews with, with these people and documentaries, and I went down the rabbit hole. But a lot of these people, especially our friend Cynthia, I keep bringing it up, she was depressed. She had withdraw effectively. She needed emotional support, and she did find it through all the friends that she made through the chase, uh, the, the chasers or searchers, they call them. I mean, there were thousands of diehard searchers out there every day, but it's a, it's a really good documentary. We can link it in the show notes. It's good stuff. But uh, anyways, on top of that, Jack mm. has not and will not disclose the location of where he found the treasure. That's also huge because... Jack, he was kind of an outsider to that community. You know, there was the community of searchers. They would talk a lot. They would exchange clues. There was all these forums and all that. Um, Jack was anonymous for the longest time, um, and he didn't really exchange too much uh, openly about that, about any of that. So they, he was kind of viewed as an outsider. So you have this new guy come in, relatively new, uh, come in, boom, find it, 
and then he doesn't release any of the info back into the community, there's going to be some outrage, as you guys could imagine. It was on Reddit? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of good stuff on Reddit because, I don't know if I mentioned, Jack didn't come out right away. He didn't say his name at all. He, he just wanted to be known as the Finder. He didn't want his identity to be known because Force Fen had a bunch of break-ins of people trying to, you know, like, threaten him for, for more clues. So he didn't want to yeah, that. That's why sense. he remained anonymous. Yeah, and so this is all two years ago. Like, the treasure being found was about two years ago, a little bit over two years ago. And, and since then, there's been a lot more research being done on Jack himself. And they found his Reddit account. And, of course, it doesn't say Jack or anything. It's actually the, the Condor 2 is his username. But they found that particular account, and they pretty much 99% sure linked it back to Jack. So they could see all of his messages. And they've been deleted, but there's, like, Reddit bots that can bring up old previous uh posts on reddit and they brought it up and it all lines up with what he said it, it lines up with his clues and and once it seemed like he started getting onto a good trail he started throwing other people off on reddit saying things like uh yeah that's not it that, that that's, that's hey not ethan it. i'm a dummy dumb dumb person what's reddit just uh it's just an online forum mm. it's just a network of communities where people can dive into their interests hobbies and passions ah I think that's the actual official quote from Reddit. I, I was going to say, so if this guy found the treasure, even if he didn't want to put the treasure there, he, he should put something else exactly where it was. Like, nothing, it doesn't have to be a value, but, you know, some maybe like a, a lockbox or a briefcase, something, you know, however it, the treasure was stored. Um, but something so that people who have had spent years looking could continue looking and then they would get the satisfaction of knowing, like, okay, like, at least I found the place. I was just a little late, but I, I did find it, um, rather than just, you know, uprooting the treasure, and now yeah. nobody will ever know it, for certain. Yeah, that's a great that point. That seems like kind of a, a jerk move to me. It could be If, if you're not going to tell sure. people and you won't, like, you know, replicate yeah, well, the treasure. That's a great point. Yeah. I'll, I'll actually talk about that. Well, Jonah, to your point, I think it is possible that he probably, they since he was so fascinated by... Um, the the chase and like discovering finding the treasure and he was able to decipher the clues it's possible that maybe he left it's, it reminds me of a geocache so maybe he did leave something of value in return So, but who knows we don't know since he didn't disclose the location maybe because he respects uh, the idea that the creator uh, what's his name Finn yeah Finn yeah Finn was trying to portray see Zach that's how I know that's how I know you're a fellow Eagle Scout because exactly. uh, geocaching right there. I remember I <laughs> I remember doing that in my oh, younger yeah. days in the rain. You're in the boots, slopping through the mud, trying to find a little mm -hmm. box. You have the GPS coordinates. It should be right there, but it's not. You got to look around. So I know how frustrating that could be. On top of that, uh, you know, to dedicate that was one afternoon or one weekend to dedicate months years of my life to finding something and then never really knowing if i was even close or not i that would eat at me more than just um not finding the treasure like yeah. i'd rather i'd rather at least well yeah. that's not necessarily true you know why because Ooh. there is something there and i'll talk about that nice oh yes spoiler alert i love it let's go one thing that Forrest said is that he didn't want the location to be disclosed, even when the treasure was found. Because to him, you know, that's where he was, that's where he want, wanted to be buried, that's where he wanted to mm. go all the time, that Preserve was a sacred it, place, yeah. that's where he went a lot as a child growing up. It was a beautiful part of the Yellowstone National Forest. 
it was right outside the Yellowstone National Park where they found it, supposedly, supposedly. And, and remember, there are um, uh, nearly half a million people on this journey looking for the treasure at one point. And so if, if you think about it, you know, if that location was disclosed and only a fraction of the amount of people or, or went to go look for this resting spot of it, the location would be destroyed. It could destroy the beauty of that spot. So, that's yeah, that's the thing. He doesn't necessarily want people going there. And, and like I said earlier, he didn't even necessarily want someone even finding the treasure. But uh, that's off topic. But to get back on the story here, we're still in December of 2020 now. The treasure's been found. Forrest Fenn passed away a bit unexpectedly. I mean, he was 90 years old, so not that unexpectedly. But <laughs> side note, because he was 90 in 2020, he was 80 in 2010 when he hid the treasure. And so one of the unspoken clues was like, how much can this 80-year-old man climb? You know, if he's carrying this chest this bronze chest it's got to be kind of heavy you know it can't be that remote right yeah. <laughs> yeah true anyways yeah back to december 2020 the treasure hunters they actually decided to keep going because like i said they were pretty peeved they're pretty distraught about the whole situation where it was found kind of early and then you know no info was disclosed so they kept going they went to go look for the location where the chest once was in an interview uh jack the guy that found it he said he found it in a nook he said it was not buried <clears throat> even Forrest actually said that he didn't bury it uh, he, or he didn't know that if, if it was buried or not um, and, and Jack kind of confirmed that um, so when Forrest placed it there it was not quote unquote buried it was placed in a little dugout a little nook in the dirt and uh, over the passage of time with erosion and you know wind rain all that stuff um, it did actually you know dirt kind of backfilled in that hole there and and they call it nook searching nowadays because of that. So yeah. Anyways, um, so the finder, which remember we don't, we, they didn't know his name yet. They didn't know he was Jack. They just knew him as the finder. When Forrest passed away, the finder released some more info. He released pictures and emails that he had with Forrest, and and the pictures were of the ones that he took when he found the actual chest. And that's a huge clue because in those pictures you could actually see slightly the surroundings of you know the grounds around the chest and the picture is mostly chest but there is some surroundings you know a twig here a leaf there but that is enough for these crazy crazy treasure hunters to have a glimpse of hope you know a glimpse of an, an, another clue to find the, the nook they wanted to find that exact location where the picture was taken and so that was their goal for the next couple of years all the meanwhile Jack was releasing more info, you know, here and there about his story about how he ended up finding it, the clues, his search process, and here's the thing, his clues and his story was not adding up. People were trying to piece together the clues and his story, and so inconsistencies just keep coming up. So people start making conspiracy theories about how he might have done something illegal to find the treasure. He might have been in cahoots with maybe Forrest himself, you know, there's all these different conspiracy theories, which Tish, I know you like. People were confounded that he skipped the first eight clues and went straight to clue nine to, to find that blaze. Now, I want to bring up that blaze again because it's an important part again. There's all this interest and all this unknown about this blaze. And like I said, the blaze is usually a marker on a tree, uh, you know, paint marker signifying a, a hiking trail. But when Jack met with Fenn, he said the blaze was damaged and not able to be read properly. Now, again, no one knows what this blaze is. It could have been a strange rock. It could have been uh, a deformed tree in the shape of an arrow. It could have been anything. It could have been a pebble on the top of the chest. It could be any indicator that if you were near that indicator, you look down, you find the treasure. So no one knew what it could be. 
one of the interviews with Forrest over the years, they asked him uh, which of the four elements would damage the blaze, you know, if it were to erode over time, you know, earth, wind, fire, air, whatever. And, and Forrest said it wouldn't be fire, it wouldn't be air, um, which then leaves uh, earth or water, which just means that, I guess, there could have been a landslide or there could have been a flood, those two things. But, yeah, anyways, when Jack met with him, he said overgrown. the... Overgrown. Yeah, exactly, overgrown. Mm-hmm. When Jack met with him, um, he said the blaze was damaged. But Fenn didn't know that. Fenn thought it was strong enough to hold up over, you know, many years. He didn't know that it was damaged almost immediately. According to Jack, it was damaged almost immediately. And, again, it's still unclear what the blaze was. But, actually, one of the theories that I like is it could have been, you know, the blaze could have been some sort of tree with some sort of marker on it, right? But maybe it's possible that um, because there's a, a large you know, chunk of metal under this tree, the, the treasure chest, yeah, that tree had a different, slightly different charge than the rest of the trees, like electrical charge, and that allowed it to get struck by lightning you know, more easily than the rest of the trees. And the, there's one theory that says it did get struck by lightning, the blaze tree, and thus it's you know, deformed, it's burnt, it's whatever. Even though it might be in a forest, there might only be this one tree that got destroyed. Uh, but in the pictures that Jack released, if it was burnt, then there might be charcoal in the pictures. And according to Jack, the pictures were taken near the blaze tree, and there was no charcoal or you know embers or whatever in the pictures. So there was just some unforeseen event that you know would shorten the life of this blaze by a couple hundred years or whatever it may be. But yeah, basically there were two people that knew you know, for a fact what the blaze was, and one of them passed away, and the other one is not disclosing anything. I mean, literally, the only other guy in the world that knows is not disclosing anything. But that doesn't stop people from making theories, and so that brings us to now. Jack has given a little bit more information over the past couple years, but, you know, very little. So through more research from the quote-unquote traditional searchers or chasers, um, a location has been found in the summer of 2022. So this past summer, they supposedly found the location of the nook because through the very sparse and few clues that Jack did give out, um, they kind of narrowed it down to the northwestern corner of Wyoming. They pretty much found the location of where they think the nook was or is, um, and there have been videos posted on YouTube of it. So they used pictures of the chest when it was found and matched up the dirt and the twigs in the picture. You know, there was like a twig that might have been an aspen tree. So they were looking for patches of uh, a small forest of aspen trees among all the other pine trees or whatever it may be. Um, They did a bunch of little things like that. But anyways, videos have been posted. And and these videos were posted, you know, relatively recently within the past three months. And in the big picture, remember, this has been going on for over a decade now. That's very recent. The videos have been posted, and I, of course, of course, had to watch them. And, you know, looking at the location, it is rather unremarkable, unfortunately. It seems a bit unremarkable. And that can seem a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you have to remember. That's the beauty of, like, a treasure hunt like this. It's going to be something totally unremarkable. They're not going to walk into, like, some hidden waterfall that nobody's ever seen before except a handful of people. It's just, like, in the middle of the field, 20 paces, you know, east of, you know, the mm-hmm. wherever, and, and, and there it is. I agree. And that, that kind of frustrated some of these searchers, you know, that this beautiful, sacred, you know, crazy location that they've been searching for for all this time. It was just kind of uh, in this little patch of woods right off the, the main road in one corner of the Yellowstone Forest. 
Yeah, that's just crazy to me. And like I said, I did watch these videos, and the biggest thing I want to know is, you know, what was the blaze? What was it? What was the final indicator? You know, that's the biggest thing. What was the X marks the spot? And like Jack mentioned, it was damaged, and so in these videos on YouTube, you know, supposedly show the location, mm. and it matches the pictures and everything. There is a tree that's fallen down right at the location of the nook, and on the bottom side of the tree that's on the ground currently facing downwards, there's a white scar on the trunk in the shape of a fire mark. <laughs> and could that be the blaze? Literally only one person in the world can answer that question, and it's Jack Stoof. But that doesn't stop thousands of people from speculating. Anyways, back to our friend Cynthia. She was huge. She is huge in this Fen treasure community. She's a big name, and she became very close with Forrest Fenn. You know, she was very depressed when he passed away. And so she ended up going to this uh, the location that the traditional searchers found, uh, the nook. And she went there, and she posted a video of herself going to this place and sitting on the log, imagining herself with Forrest as he placed his treasure in the nook in the dirt, finally getting closure. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I'll finish it there. I'll open it up to you boys. But it's such an interesting story, so what do you guys think? That is so fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. Like, it's totally random. I know some of the other guys here might have heard of it. I had never heard of this, and I thought that was, like, a really cool story um, all the way through. And just knowing, like, only one person truly knows, uh, it. you know, it's, it's, like, I feel like that could be, like, a pretty cool movie. Like, the journey to find this, how Jack found it. Like, oh, yeah, I feel I totally like agree. it's across the board super cool. Yeah, a couple of things there. So Jack, he's been uh, he's been more open about it recently, and so he's being more accepted in the community. I thought it was funny that you mentioned earlier that he was a jerk, and uh, in the, a lot of the documentaries, they interview different people, and in that in the Fen community, they affectionately call him Jack the Jerk. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're spot on with that. Jeez. Well, if, if I spent years of my life looking for treasure, and all of a sudden this guy comes and finds it in you know eighteen twenty four months. Uh, yeah, I, I would con- <laughs> I would consider him a jerk too for not telling me anything. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, you could make a metaphor that there is some poetic metaphor in this about uh, brains versus bronze. I mean, of course that's a huge stretch to even think that, but kind of it's not because you know the the people that were out there boots on ground for ten years they were kind of uh, you know brute forcing it and coming at it with that approach. Whereas Jack, he didn't do that actually. He he sat it back and let some things transpire while he did research on all the videos and footage, came at it with a different set of data points, um, and then he went out there and you know brute forced it, but for a much yeah. shorter time. So it's, it's kind of like a brains versus bronze. But, That's crazy. Know. Yeah, he definitely had the smarter approach. Um, I, I think it was... It, his, the, the, his approach and the way he handled it honestly remind me of uh, Ready Player, uh, watching that... Like, essentially, it's kind of the same scenario where how there's this legendary Seemingly person like, or this uh, really high-valued prize, and that. But if you decipher the clues or uh, understand it, eventually you'll have the wealth and have the power. Able to claim the prize, some powers. Be able to claim the prize. It reminds me. I'm not sure if you guys heard of the book, The Wrestling yeah. Game. So um, that was about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they so, figured out, there's like a group of people, and if they figured out who was the guy who owned it, then they would claim the estate for you. I think we had a reading. Yeah, it was pretty interesting for, for a kid to have that you know, puzzle, that enigma presented to you. Uh, I always. Think that, so. 
I thought that was pretty fascinating. I think it also speaks to, like, obviously there's a lot of skill to finding that. you got to decipher the clues. But from what you said, it's a pretty wide region of area that oh, wow. that's being discussed where this could be. You know, if this guy's a mile off, uh, a thousand yards off, he may never find it. So, you know. It's funny you say that, actually, because in 2019, he did go boots on ground one time. Um, and in, this is obviously before he found it when he was looking for it. But after he found it, he said that in 2019, he was within, I think, I think something like six feet of it or maybe 100 feet. He was, he was like very close to it. And he didn't know because mm. he didn't realize the blade yeah. was <laughs> Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And he just didn't find it because hmm. uh, it was damaged. And he, he didn't know that, and he wasn't thorough enough. Um, but he went back out, of course, 2020, next summer, and uh, he, he ended up finding it. Yeah, but but, but so basically, but by 2018, or by 2019, he had already nailed down the location, which is more than a lot of people can say. You know, people search... People were searching in the wrong state. You know, that's that's the first step to get in the right state. But um, Yeah, I love the mystery and the intrigue. Um, I bet there are countless, there might be even other way, other treasure hunters such as Finn out there. Um, and like I said before, uh, I mean, by saying, by me saying treasure hunters, I, I mean that there might be other people who have like found riches or want to start a little treasure hunt too. I, I, like I said, I bet that's out there. But also, like I said before, geocaching is an actual thing and people do have little trinkets and little gadgets and gizmos that they hide in certain places and they give clues or there's like coordinates you can actually there's i bet there's apps that you can download and try to decipher and uh, look for where uh, those are and usually the rule of thumb is if you find a geocache you're supposed to replace it with uh something so that way the next person will find something as well so basically like an x marks a spot except the x isn't there i mean what do you do you know (laughs) that's true yeah, he's a pretty incredible treasure finder. But it was really cool, like I said, because the treasure wasn't buried. It was just placed in this little nook. But because of you know natural erosion, like I had mentioned earlier, it was buried up to the top case, up to the top lid, rather. And so you could just see the top lid there. Everything else was you know buried because of elements, but you could see the actual bronze lid. So he was there right in time. I mean, if he was there a year later... You know, it would have uh, eroded, or not rather eroded, but buried itself more in the next year. And he might not have even seen that top lid. And so he pretty much found it right in time. And on top of that, the blaze, which, of course, we don't know, you know, 100% for sure what it was. But he did say it was being eroded, which means that if you waited any longer, two, five years, the box would have been completely buried and the blaze would have been completely gone essentially making the the uh and then of course forest dying in 2020 mm-hmm. that would essentially just make that chest completely unfindable for the the rest of time that's crazy and then it would have just died yeah like it would have died with with um it would have died with forest yeah yeah it's yep. crazy i love this stuff man that's so fascinating yeah. to me yeah interesting let it's probably a good thing Nick Cage never looked for this because he probably would have found it in about two hours and 13 minutes. So That's true. <laughs> so I hope you boys like this uh, this format. It was a little bit different, like I said, but uh, it was enjoyable nonetheless. And I'll leave you guys with one quote that Jack Stoof said in, in, in one of his interviews. He said that he was not fighting other searchers of today. You know, he, th- he already knew that he was far and above 
everyone else in their search path. He knew that he was, you know, the, on the hottest trail. No one else could top him. He was rather fighting the searchers in 30 years from now because he knew if he didn't find it within, you know, however long, like the next six months to a year, um, he knew that the blaze was probably damaged. So he knew that if he didn't find it now, it probably would be lost forever. And the only thing that could uncover it would be super futuristic technology, something like, you know, crazy 3D metal detecting or whatever. So <laughs> I just thought that was cool. He wasn't. Uh, fighting other searchers now he's fighting the future mm-hmm. yeah that, that's very interesting i mean maybe we get to a point where you know you could buy a drone off amazon and next thing you know the drone can you know metal detect from two 200 feet in the air and all of a sudden you just fly a drone over it detects properties or metals or whatever and all of a sudden boom it's found so i, I that's a, a very uh obscure thought from uh from jack to be able to to recognize the time he's in versus the time you know he could be in in the future that's right yeah and i think a lot of people have come to realize that jack is you know not a con artist he's just a really smart guy with some pretty good thought processes so yeah i'll leave you guys with that hopefully you guys check it out on your own i mean seriously you guys it's it's on youtube you know just google it force fen treasure there's there's tons of cool stuff out there there's obviously 10 years of rabbit hole that you could go down with different forums and the nitty gritty details and stuff but just there's a couple of great documentaries like New York Times I think did one um, and Vox did another one but just check it out but until next week I hope you guys feel a bit more informed and until then we'll see you next time Saranara, peace out until next time rock and roll so here's uh, an after the fact editor's note um, so some time has passed since the uh, podcast was recorded, and since then, <laughs> ironically, or maybe not ironically, the actual treasure was auctioned off. Um, so, if, you know, uh, the guy found it, Jack Stu, if he needed the money, I guess, he had bills to pay or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it was auctioned off, kind of in a sketchy manner in Denmark. Um, but our friend Cynthia, I keep coming back to her, she was offered, because of her close ties to the whole thing, she was offered a VIP access tour to the... Uh, you know, the pre-auction essentially, and she posted a video about it. They took her to Texas. They flew her in and stuff, and she she was able to hold um, some of the gold nuggets and in, in, in the chest and everything. It was, it's crazy. And uh, as a token of gratitude, um, the Forest Fen community gave her, or rather the uh, auctioneers gave her a token, a literal token, like a coin, a gold coin from the chest. Um, you know, it was in a nice case. They gave it to her with her name on it and stuff. So, yeah. That even gave her some more closure. So, anyways, that's it. Back to the podcast, which I think is over now.